You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Uh, it is so good for us to be together. So, uh, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, I just remind you or I, or I share with you that we as a community have been busy with the epistle, the letter, the book of James. James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this letter. I'm going to cough. Just uh, thanks. Uh, thank you. Sorry for that. Uh, the half-brother of Jesus wrote this letter to those early followers of Jesus scattered across the Roman Empire, trying to make sense of what does it mean to know, love, and follow Jesus, and how are we to live to establish God's kingdom in this world that we find ourselves in? And so, uh, we've been looking at this short book, five chapters, 108 verses, and rather than going through it section by section in a chronological order, what we come to discover is James has several key topics and themes that he pulls through all his chapters. So, he'll speak about something in chapter 1, and then he'll speak about it again in chapter 2, 3, 4, 5. And so, what we've identified is that all under this umbrella of, let me give you practical wisdom for daily living. Let me show you and help you understand what true religion, or as he calls it, what pure faith looks like all gravitating around the royal law of love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as you love yourself, we've seen that he touches on some interesting topics. And so, for example, uh, James talks about in the context of loving your neighbor, this is what pure faith, true religion looks like. Let's talk about how we treat one another, especially the poor and the widow and the orphan, having a concern for the poor. He says, let's talk about the responsible use of our wealth. Let's talk about that. If you want to know what it looks like in the day-to-day -day where the rubber hits the road to be a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ, let's talk about what it looks like. And so he talks about the power of our words, we can't just go around saying whatever we want, whenever we feel like it, in whatever way we want, to whoever we want. Saying that's not, that's not true faith. He talks about prayer and the power of prayer. He talks about God being, being the source of all our wisdom. If you want to know, if you don't know, if you're uncertain and you want to know where and how, go to God in prayer for He is the source of all wisdom. talks about how we are to respond to difficult life seasons, how we are to live when we're facing trials and difficulties in life. talks about the connection that we spoke about last week between what we say we believe and what we do. 
We can't say we believe one thing and do another. That's in contradiction to that. And then he talks about another. In fact, uh, 35% of the book of, of the letter of James is devoted to this idea that we're going to look at this morning. He talks about the connection between pride and partiality, or some newer translations use the word favoritism and prejudice. Pride, partiality, and prejudice. Favoritism. And we discover very quickly, and we're going to look at this, how for James, uh, when he talks about favoritism, it's not just, you know, oh, favoritism, oh, you know, here's an extra sweet for you because I like your smile or whatever, you know, I just, you know, I like you a little bit more than the other. Oh, boy, we come to see very quickly the end game of favoritism. And how James teaches us followers of Jesus as the word of God is planted in you and grows, well, this just cannot be. This is not pure faith, favoritism. And he, and he shows us the connection to pride and, and where, where favoritism ends, the end game of it all. But I quickly want to remind you, I want to say this to us, and, and of course, uh, that's what we're going to look at today, favoritism and, and what James has to say about it. Uh, but I want to remind us, and I want to say this because I think this is so important. James is one of those letters that, that we love because it's easy, it's uncomplicated, it's, it's fairly straightforward, it's not long, uh, and it's a beautiful letter. But on the flip side of that coin, James is also a letter that really very quickly steps on our toes. <laughs> and he confronts us. And he gets in our faces a bit. And this topic is no different. And I want to just remind us I think that we just understand, I believe, the heart and the motivation of James in doing this. It is not for us to feel condemned or judged or down on ourselves or feel like we, oh, we are miserable people. We're just not measuring up. That's not his goal. Instead, his, his intention goal is to encourage us and to challenge us. I think what he does is, as we read the letter, I think what he does is he kind of holds like a mirror, and he uses that imagery in his books. Well, he holds before us, and he says, will you, will you be able to see and recognize and consider and ask and reflect upon where the culture of your day, where its norms and values have perhaps taken root in your life and determine how you think and how you act according to the norms and cultures and values of your society. And he holds that before us. Has any of what the world says is right taken hold in your life? And then he holds up before us the norms and values and often countercultural values of the kingdom of God, and he says, how's it looking? Does it, does it measure up how you live your life with the values of the kingdom of God? And if not, James 1, I say to you, let the good news of Christ Jesus be planted in you, verse 25, I think it is. Take root in you, for that the word will save you. And that's what he wants to do for us. 
And so he's going to get on our toes with this topic this morning. I think we need to remember what he's wanting to do. So we've been doing memory verses. How's it going with the memory verses? Is it going good? If you've got a whole collection, well, you'll find another one uh, under your bum uh, on the seat. Uh, another memory verse, and uh, this one is from James 4, verse 6, the second part of verse 6. Will you say it with me? Let's say it together. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And this connects directly with what he has to say about a pride, prejudice, partiality, favoritism, showing favoritism to some at the expense of others. God opposes the proud, but shows favor <clears throat> to the humble. As I said, about 35% of the book of James is dedicated to this theme. And in that verse, he is referencing Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 34, that says the same thing. God opposes the proud, shows favor to the humble. He's, he's I suppose, in many ways, he's quoting his Bible, <laughs> the Old Testament. And he's referencing that. And so out of that idea of God opposes the proud, shows favor to the humble, he speaks about, and we see this in chapter 2, 3, 4. He speaks about... <clears throat> Well, I suppose, let me say this to you first of all. So in this memory verse of ours, this memory verse can in actual fact be referred to as the great reversal. In theological circles, this is what this verse is known as. It is the great reversal. It is that idea of that we see uh, right in the person and message of Jesus right throughout this kind of turning things on its head. Remember what Jesus said, those who are first will be? God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. And so this idea of the great reversal, James reminds us of that. He speaks into that, and he talks about pride. He talks about showing favoritism in the church and outside of the church, how we treat poor people compared to how we treat wealthy people. Judging people instead of showing people mercy. And James saying, this is a problem. This is not good. Okay, pride, partiality, prejudice, favoritism. Before we get to our reading for the day, a couple of stories. So some of you will know, I've shared the story with you. Um, so some years, so a couple of years ago, uh, we had been living in the country um, a few years and my son, Matthew, was playing in the play garden near, uh, near our home uh, with a friend. And one of the neighborhood neighbors, neighborhood neighbors, okay, it's like reversing backwards. So one of our neighbors um, uh, came and saw my son and his friend playing and um, looked at him, the color of his skin, made an assumption, a judgment call, favoritism. 
and uh, said to him, asking, what boat did you come on? And said that, um, in fact, it would be better for all concerned if he, and so you're talking about a grown-up to a child, just uh, goes back to Africa. We don't want Muslims here. And so assuming that my son is a Muslim and he's from, and saying, go back to where you've come from. We don't want you here. And then this escalated and shouting and screaming at my son about how, uh, you know, we are stealing all Dutch housing and jobs. And uh, that should go back. Something similar happened to my daughter uh, sometime later. Um, it reminded me of a story that I read in uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu's biography. I don't know if you've heard of Desmond Tutu. I'm sure you would have. Okay, thank you. Um, where he relates the story where he's flying on a plane. And uh, you know when you go on a plane, sometimes the, the, the pilot then will introduce him or herself and say, you know, I'm so-and-so. And so he's on this plane flying somewhere and the name comes on, and Desmond Tutu says the pilot's name was an African name. And he said immediately, this is Desmond Tutu, right? He says immediately he thinks to himself, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Um, surely, surely I'll be better if it was a European or a white pilot, you know? Can, I mean, can, can black pilots actually fly? This is Desmond Tutu. And he just realized how this lie of some are better than others had even infiltrated his own soul. This is the end game of favoritism. And it's this that James speaks about. Let's do our reading and then we'll continue. James 2, verse 1 to 6. My brothers and sisters, believers, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into a meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And then verse 5, listen. My dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those he, whom he loves or to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into courts? And we're only going to read so far for now. What James is saying to us in this passage, what we all do, and we have all done it, is we make judgment calls. We look at somebody's clothes. Do they have a gold ring or not? Fancy clothes or not? We look at someone's nationality. 
You know, are they European or are they from Eastern Europe? Are they from North Africa or South Africa? Are they from Northern uh, America or Southern America? We look at their nationality, their skin color. We look at all these things, how tall they are, how short they are, how thin they are, how wide they are, the accent they have, the way they smell, all these things. The titles they write before their name or not, or the little letters that go behind the name or not. And James says, and what we do is, and so often without us even realizing it, we make a judgment call. And what we do with that judgment call is we categorize. You belong here, you fit there, you fit there. And it's not just categorizing, we assign worth and value. And based on your value and your worth, I will act and treat you accordingly. If you speak in this way, have this color skin, have this education, this, this, you fit into that thing, and that determines what your worth and your value is, and that will determine how nice I'm going to be to you. But if you sit in the wrong category, oh boy, then come and sit at my feet. And it's this that James is speaking about. So interesting, you will know, the word favoritism, to show favor or showing favoritism, the Greek word used for it is the word prosopoleptus. And here's what it means. And this is why it's not, it's not just writing about, oh, just favoritism. No. Prosopoleptus, favoritism means this, to make a judgment according to the face. And this is what James is writing about. He's saying, people of God, that's not pure faith. To judge, make a shallow judgment based on what I see before me. It's where our, our English phrase at face value is connected to this. Which also, by the way, is a monetary, has a monetary connection. It had to do with money, and the face that was on the money, that would determine the value. So at face value, to judge by the face. And that's what James says we do. We see and we make a judgment by the face, and we categorize, we assign value, and we rank, and we assign worth, and then we treat accordingly. And in writing about this, he says we, we do this all the time. We treat people differently because we judge by the face. And for James, here is the important thing. For him, it's not just, oh, you're too tall or you're too short or you're this. No. James wants us to understand the severity and the importance of this. We're saying when we do this, when we show favoritism, it comes from a place of pride, make no mistake. And we make judgment calls according to the face, is what favoritism is. He's saying what we're doing is we are not fulfilling the royal law. In verse 8, we're not loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's not pure faith and true religion. And so he's saying it's so much more than just favoritism being too short at all. It's what we're actually saying. And this happens all at the same time. It's not like we sit down and think it through. But what's what we're saying, what's happening is, you are not valuable enough. 
you are not worth enough for me to love you and treat you with dignity and respect and honor. And what James says is, oh boy, that's a problem. <laughs> that's not pure faith. If anything, if you really insist on judging by the face, then stick the face of Jesus on. <laughs> Saying, because we fail to forget that every person is created in the image of God and is an image bearer of God and should be judged according to that face, <laughs> according to that standard. Given value according to that, the same way that Christ values us. And he says in reality and in real life, as he looks around the early followers of Christ and the church spread across the Roman Empire, he sees this and he says, we do this all the time. And what he's saying to us is, we don't always realize the impact and the hurt and the damage our judging by the face has on people. And that's not pure faith. And then he connects it, I think, for me to James 1 verse 5, where he says, if you lack wisdom, pray and ask God for wisdom. And in this context, his message to us would be, hey, pray and ask God for wisdom. Whenever you engage with somebody who looks different from you, who speaks differently from you, who, who comes from a different place that you are unfamiliar with, if you're engaging or dealing with someone new or strange to you, that you don't know how to pray and ask God for wisdom so that you and I might unlearn these implicit biases that we live with. We live with these implicit bias within us, which is the result of pride. And he says in verse 8 and 9, you do well when you really fulfill the royal law. Royal law, so royal law, so the king's law, right? Royal law, the king's law. Who's the king? When we fulfill Jesus' law, Jesus' law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But when you show favoritism, judge according to the face, you are committing a sin. And then in verse 13, he goes on to say, and there will be no mercy in judgment for anyone who hasn't shown mercy. Mercy overrules judgment. So in essence, what he's saying, he connects with what Jesus says. It makes sense. I mean, they were half brothers, right? <laughs> what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2, words of Jesus, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The words of Jesus. Remind you of the words of Paul in Philippians 2 verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
pride. Rather, in humility, this is what James is talking about in chapter 4, verse 6. But rather in humility, oh boy, can you see that up there? I mean, that just to our cultural ears just sounds wrong, right? It's so countercultural. Let me read it for those at the back who can't read that. But rather in humility, value others above yourselves. What? That is so countercultural. No, that, that can't be right. What about me? We come up with all kinds of things. Well, people are just going to walk all over me. If I do that. that, that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> and I think part of what James is saying, that with the values and norms of society is so rooted and entrenched in us, we fail to recognize we've been stained, is language that James uses, by the filth of the kingdom of this world. So here what, what, what we are being taught here is rather than look at the face, make a judgment call, ooh, you're South African, no thanks. <laughs> and then take and see, take what I see and categorize and rank and add value and worth. What James is teaching us is in line with the words of Paul. Rather than make a judgment call, what you should do is value others above yourself. What? Isn't it what, exactly what Jesus did? When, you've, when he valued us above even his own life. Can you just imagine a world where people value one another above themselves? Oh, my goodness. And the message to the church is that's your calling. And when you do that, you are fulfilling the king's law. And that is pure faith. To not judge according to the face. I'm reminded of Acts 10, verse 34 and 35. You remember the story about Peter and Cornelius. Peter, all about, you know, the gospel is only for Jews, not for Gentiles. You remember he had his vision, the sheet and the clean and unclean creatures. You remember that? And then in verse 34, 35, Peter says this. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. We remind ourselves of 1 Samuel 16, 7. You remember God does not judge by outward appearances, but according to the heart. What we do find, however, and James continues with this, God does not show favoritism, but he does seem to have a very particular concern for the poor, the widow, the orphan, 
those who have been categorized and assigned value and worth that's right at the bottom. You fit there. You come sit at my feet. And we see right throughout the life of Jesus and Scripture that God has a heart for those who are told to come sit at my feet. Those who have been oppressed and marginalized, who have been judged according to the face, that God has a clear heart for those, we see it. We see it in, in Luke's gospel. We see it in Mary's Magnificat right throughout the Bible. You remember Mary's, uh, Mary's Magnificat where she said, my soul magnifies, glorifies the Lord. And then she goes on to talk about how God has lifted up the lowly. God's lifted up the poor and he has scattered the proud before him. God shows favor to the humble and opposes the proud. You remember uh, in Luke 6, it says, blessed are the poor. So God has a very real heart for those who have been judged by the face and pushed aside. Jesus himself in the great reversal. This is what James talks about. Remember in Matthew 20, he says, those who are first will be and in Matthew 23, at the Last Supper, he says, the greatest among you will take the role of a servant. So we see this message clearly. How does God lift the lowly? How does God lift those who have been judged by the face? By the people of God, hearing the message of God and acting upon it. By us hearing God's message, saying, God, may I live a life. And we go out and God uses us as his instruments, as his people to lift the lowly. And so that's why he says in verse 27, James says this. He says that faith that is pure is this, to care for the orphan and the widow. When you and I go and we recognize those who've been judged by the face and pushed aside and said you are not valuable enough, you're not worthy enough to be treated with dignity and respect and with honor, is when we care for the orphan and the widow in distress. And then he says, and keep oneself unstained from the world. That's pure faith. And what he's talking about in this context saying, living a life that has not been stained, tainted by the values of the world, where you look like this, you speak with this accent, you're from this place and this country, you look like this, you have worth and value. Come, be exalted. You wear beautiful robes and a gold ring. Please come and sit here. We value you. You are smelly and horrible and ugly and your clothes is all torn and it stinks. You come sit at my feet. And he's saying pure faith is not being stained. The idea, the image there is like, like ink on clothes is to not be stained by the values of the world, rather to allow the values of the kingdom of God to be planted in us, for that will save us. And the value of the world, is those, of, of the kingdom of God, is those who are first will be last, and those who are last will be first. The value of the kingdom of God is, is that when I look at you, I see Jesus having died for you. And you are valuable and you are worthy no matter your height, no matter your size, no matter your color, no matter your what. 
You are worthy of me treating you with dignity and respect and honor and love. And I will not judge you according to the face. And in doing that, I'm saying, God, will you please just deal with pride within me, thinking I'm better than others. And will you help me for humility to grow the word of God, to grow in me, to take root in me, Lord. So that when I see the people around me, I do not judge according to the face. I do not show favoritism, but I love and I show dignity and respect because I seek to fulfill the king's law. To love my neighbor as I love myself. So he steps on our toes. He says, listen, We are very quick to see, to look, and to judge. It's not the way of the king. It's not pure faith. Let us pray. But instead, Lord, we, your people, want to go and have a heart and a concern for the poor and the downtrodden. Those who have been judged to have no worth and no value. We want to be your people. That judge is not according to the face. But instead according to the value assigned to each person by Jesus Christ going to the cross, dying for them. And so, Lord, so, Lord, firstly, we come and we ask for forgiveness. Lord, it's so, it just, it, it's so entrenched in us, Lord. This, we live with such bias, each and every one of us. We just look at somebody and we make assumptions and we think, oh, they must be this, they must be that. They must be this kind of a person. And we do it all the time. Forgive us, Lord, for judging according to the face. Forgive us, Lord, for the harm and the hurt we have caused by devaluing by our judgments. we receive your forgiveness as we know that you tell us in your word that when we come and we confess our sin before you, you are faithful and just ready to forgive and cleanse and heal and so we ask that you do that in us will you expose Lord just those implicit bias within us and will your word be planted in us and overgrow and take over those bias And then, Lord, will you, will you help us? Give us the courage as a church community that when we, when we, with our projects in the coming months, our shoebox project, our clothing collection, our, our helping and going to, to, to the Nivestad with our actions, Lord, will you help us to spread the message as we go into the world? That true faith 
is to care for those who are poor and downtrodden and marginalized and cast aside. And will you help us, Lord, to live a life not stained by the values and norms of the society, but instead to be transformed by the values and norms of the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.